we are ah, talking about something very exciting. Controversies in the church. Somebody say, what? <laughs> Controversies in the church. Um, Acts 15. Acts 15 is where we're going to spend our next few moments. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you. If you like, this is all I'm talking about in the last few weeks since I got back, huh? Is it? Does it feel like that to you? It feel like that to me. It felt like uh, the last few weeks since I got back, I've been mad at everybody. <laughs> Whoa, is that a laugh of affirmation? What, what is that? Uh, but it is. Uh, this is where uh, the church uh, really uh, come to be real church. Real church where real people with real problems and real successes live. Uh, if you are in the perfect church, uh, I'm not quite sure. If you, if you find the perfect church, I, I would like an invitation uh, to come. Uh, but today, this is where we're going to spend our time, the next few moments. Uh, <clears throat> I would like for us to talk about this. And when I say I would like for us to talk about it, uh, I would like once in a while somebody talk back. Uh, I miss my African-American church where I was before I came here because the, uh, when I start talking, those people talk back to me. And, uh, and that, is, that, that happened in church, and that's okay. Uh, let us read our scripture together. <clears throat> if you can read this, say Amen. For those of you who still have difficulties reading this because the font is still small for you, I apologize. We'll keep working at it. Uh, so keep helping me as we uh, read this uh, together as, as, as a community. If, uh, if you cannot help yourself, it's just a default of a habit. You just like to stand and read the scripture. Uh, you, you can stand. That's fine. Uh, if not, if you, if you just want to be lazy and sit still, just be lazy and sit still. <laughs> Julie? What? Uh, yeah, this is, this is the um, uh, Acts 15. Uh, this will be the first few verses. Uh, we'll read until we run out of stuff to read. Okay? If you dare say Amen. For those of you who are online, uh, this is X 15, verse 1 to 3. At least that's what is printed. And uh, we'll just read until we run out. Uh, because that's, that's how fight happen. You just fight until you run out of stuff to say. And um, <laughs> a church fight that is. Let us read together. Then certain individual come town from Judea and were teaching brothers. Unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul in front of us has no small dissensions. <coughs> so they were sent on their way by the church, and as they passed through both 
Phoenicia, and Samaria, they reported the conversation of the Gentile and brought great joy to all the believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. So God, we thank you for the opportunity for us to be reminded that we are broken people. Be reminded that others are just like us. They have hope and desire and aspiration just like us. They have dirty laundries and junk just like us. And so increase our capacity to be gracious. Diminish and eliminate our desire to be self-righteous. Root out, root out from our lives, our minds, and our eyes, and our hearing. The spirit of being judgmental. It is deadly. It never built up anything, nothing. So help us to embrace our pain and our hurt. Not to assign it to others. Trusting that you are still God enough and care enough to carry our burden and our pain and our hurt for us. God is in our time of loneliness because of our love for one another. And even our love for those that are no longer with us in this space and time. Comfort us. Thank you for the way that you love us and you comfort us. It is amazing. You send it through a tweet. You send it through a song. You send it through words. You send it through hugs. You send it through dancing and singing birds. A silent butterfly of different amazing brilliant colors. You send it through the rain. For all of what you have created belongs to you. And so, God, we thank you. God, I know I'm not worthy to do this work, so I ask, please help. Remove anything that might stand on our way. Being moved, being touched, being transformed, being redeemed by you. Pray and ask all of these things in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And somebody say amen. amen. So here's a, here's a question. Let's just be real. I remind you that you are... Uh, today is Sunday, it's a holy day, lying is not allowed. May I remind you that you are sitting in a church property, uh, lying is not allowed. Let me see your hand if you are an imperfect person. There are about two and a half of you, uh, your hands are still down. So um, let me see your hand if you believe you know it all. 
All right, we got two in the house. That's not bad at all. So for all of you who need help, talk to, to Miss Julie. She know it all. Let me, let, me, uh, let me see your hand if you never judge anybody. If you never look at somebody and say bad things about them. Let's just be honest. Let me see your hand if you've never been in a fight. <laughs> have you? Have you? I, I didn't think about this. This is just cross, just walk across the front stage of my mind. Have you seen that little video of a comedian who talk about his perfect wife? Have you seen that? All right, I'm gonna have to pull that video up. This this guy, this is one of his little episodes. He say, "Oh, my wife is so perfect." She is perfect. She know it all. She is so perfect. And this is the same woman who say, um, walk around the house, call my phone. Anybody know my phone? Anybody call my phone? Call my phone. 15 minutes later, she say, oh, I have it in my purse. It's been on silent the whole time. This is, this is the perfect wife that... Uh, she'll look around for her keys all the time. Or she'll look around for her keys and she'll ask me, where is your keys? And I say, on the hook, where is spelled keys? It's hanging right there. She have no qualms about taking my key and she will leave because she's in a rush to get to work. But 10 minutes after she gets to the office, she says, I have both keys. It's in my purse. My wife is so perfect. I wish I thought about this. I would have pulled up that video. JR would have been pulling it up real quick, but he's, he's smarter than that. He's not going to do that. Controversies in the church. I say to you a couple of weeks ago, tension is not bad. Tension is not bad at all. Matter of fact, we all need tension in our life. It's the only reason that I'm able to hold this, this thing right here. Because tension is applied. It's the only reason and the only reason whatsoever that I'm able to hold this. Because there's tension that is applied. It enables me to hold it. Tension is good. Not all tension are bad. Matter of fact, we need a little tension in our life. Our task is try to maintain tension. So here, here we find we find the church having a little friction. There's a little tension that happened in the church. Can you believe this? There was a generation, there was a season when people sit around the table and Republican and Democrat and people who don't belong to anything, they sit around the table and they have strong, passionate conversation and argument and debate and they never hate one another. Can you believe that that happened? That happened long time ago. When brothers and sisters and, and, and parents and children and grandparents and grandchildren sit together and they talk and they argue about their different perspective on life or anything else and they never get to the point that they call it quiet, silence, treatment of one another. 
because they are angry and hateful of one another. There was a season that was like that. And then there was a season happened that somebody so smart come up with three things. Create this whole thing to hold this tension. Uh, three things that you can never talk about. Can you help me name it? Money. Politics. And religion. Somebody so smart in our progressive mind, in our intellectual ability, come up with these frames that these are things that hold us together at the table. Let's not talk about any of this. And since then, we talk so much more about it. Openly. And we talk about it with these filters in mind. If you're not on my side, then you are, I'm, I'm, I'm going to learn to hate you. I just hate you. Because uh, we have all kinds of names for that. You know? Because you're dumb. <laughs> I love it when people say that in, in public discussion. He's just dumb. <laughs> I was like, well, you just call my middle name. That's, that's me. Here is, here is the church facing one of these moments where the church really come to a discussion. And they have a discussion about tradition. I talked to you about this last week. Tradition. The tradition of the church that these are prerequisites how you become uh, one of us. Because at this point in time, it's them and us. Them and us. And us is always perfect and them are bad people. See, when we, when we, get, when we get in any form of relationship, when you, when you start to put them and us, it's a bad place to begin. Because them and us, one of us is going to be higher than the other, automatically, whether you want to or not. Us, it seems to be us is always above them. The worst place where you can find them and us is the church. And I don't know when it was the church decided that this is a mission. This is where we stake our little flag and we claim it. This is where we spend our resources, us. There was a time, there was a time when I was growing up back, back in the island, out there, 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 there was time when we look to foreigners as they land, they are always smarter than us. And the reason is they have something different from what we have. And then, and then in that framework, for, for a long time, I refused to believe that my folks, that my folk, uh, Captain James Good, called these people, named the, uh, the Tongan Nation of 170 islands, called this, it's the friendly island of Tonga. I think he was just scared these people were going to kill him. 
because they have done that to a lot of, you know, new people who arrive in the beginning. They are threatened. I mean, when, and the reason why they were doing that, the Tongan were doing that, they, they just see something that is different from them. And so uh, before they try to find out who these are and what, what is different about them is that they, they just assume the place of being inferior. And so they are scared. Because this might change things, and it did change things, and change is not always bad. Some change are good. And, and the same framework still exists in our work today, in the church. Here's yes, Paul and Barnabas, they, they're just doing the work that they have been called, they dedicate their life to do that, and they got here, and here is what is being preached in there. You can never be one of us unless we cut off something from your skin. Unless we find out who has been circumcised, you cannot be one of us. I don't know about you, if there's a prerequisite to being a member of this church, we're going to have to cut something from you. Count me out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm being cut too many times. But if, if you are a male, this is, this is what the fight was all about. Unless you get circumcised, then you cannot be a part of this church. Seriously, people? And everything in this kind of tradition. Now, if you keep reading this, James, the brother of Jesus, came up with a way of trying to settle this whole deal. As I said last week, sometimes, and it seems to be so often now, that we worship tradition so much more than what tradition Point toward. God is wind. Ruah. And it seems like we worship the wind instead of what the wind point to. God come down like fire, flames. And then we worship the flame and, and let alone. This flame is only a hyperlink to something else. And if we're not careful in the work of the church, in any organization, in any family, this is what's going to happen. We're going to worship the, uh, the structure and forget the people. And it's a big pain. Pastor Mark and I talk about this because clergy and families and, and this, they, this whole fight that our denomination are go through right now, it is so amazingly painful. Because people on both sides, of conservative, whatever that is, of liberal, progressive, whatever that is, and centrist, whatever that is, everybody are lying on everybody. And Mark and I decide last week, we decided we're going to write up a new resolution to this whole deal. Because uh, this division, it's, it's all on people, uh, it's, it's on human sexuality. We are just one of those churches that get to that. And for the life of me, for the life of me, can you imagine when the sun set on your life? Did you stand before God and God say, well, what did you believe? Are you progressive or conservative? Because in this home over here, it's only one of you going to come in. If there's a God that we worship, count me out. I don't want that God. And it's the same God here that Paul and Barnabas, which God is this? Are you, are you circumcised? Seriously, God, cut my finger off. 
if that's what is going to require for me, and we worship tradition so much more important than God himself. You know what holds this church together? It was Jesus. When they preach and talk about Jesus, these things stay together. And unless we focus on Jesus, this thing's going to fall apart because it was never about us. It was always about Jesus. And at the end of the day, I say, past market, and I say, look, we, we, we experience this in the life of the church. There's always people come and go. The door is always revolving. And it ought to be like that. You, you experience this in your life from Monday to Friday. There are some staff, they seem to be outgrowing their job description. They need to go. Not because of anything else, they just outgrow that. They need to continue to grow in, in the area where God has blessed them with. And there are some, some staff at some point in time that job outgrow them. And whatever the, 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 the requirement of the job, nothing bad about those people. They just cannot perform according to the requirement of the job. And you're either going to have to spend money on training them so they can upgrade to that, or just hire some other people and put them in some other place or let them go. So nobody's losing, everybody's winning. And it's the same thing in the life of the church. There are sometimes some people come to church and the way that the, the expression of worship is not, it, it, it is not able to let them continue to grow or uh, the fellowship of the church or the mission part, the evangelistic uh, expression of the church, it, it doesn't help them grow. They just need to find a place where God is continue to push them to go. Nothing bad about those people. They just need to get in touch with God in different ways. And so we in the Methodist little tribe of Methodism, we have this big fight about who's in and who's out. And Mark and I, last week, we, we just sat around, we had too much time in our hand. And we say, hey, let's write the new resolution. Let them go, whoever wants to go. And for us, we'll continue to grow this thing. And it, let's not, let's not punish people. Because there's a little uh, process that is being implemented now. It, it's, it sounds very punitive. And we have a long discussion about it. Not too far off of this scripture today. The conversation was about being a member of the church. Can Gentile like you and me, we are the Gentile according to this scripture. Because we are not Jew. Can we be a part? And, and here is a part of the disciple. Peter said, look, when I was talking to these people, all of a sudden they experienced the same Holy Spirit that touches us. And can you count them out? Because the, if the Holy Spirit fall on them the same way he fall on us, then that means God is loving them as much as he, God loves us. And if God does that, and we are all about God, who? Who among us who have the authority and the power and the wisdom? And this is where I'm like hang my head. I am so grateful that I don't have the job of figuring out who is in and who is out. I don't know about you, but the commission is to go and make disciples of all nations. The call is follow me, I'll teach you how to fish. It didn't say I will teach you how to clean fish. I will teach you 
Again, I say to you, if you have a clean fish, it's slimy, stinky, it's nasty. Who want a clean fish? But then in the process, we seem to spend more time of our mind, our resources on trying to clean fish and figure out which fish is in, which fish is out. I'm not saying to just reject the responsibility of that. There is, there is a responsibility to do that. We must take care of that. At the same time, let's, let's not be confused about what the mission is all about. James, the brother of Jesus, finally the council in Jerusalem, the uh, United Methodist big body channel conference get together in Jerusalem and they decide to send back the decision. So they send back and James, the brother of Jesus, <laughs> James, the brother of Jesus, how much more your brother have to convince you that you are his savior and Lord in order for you to give up your life. James, he got murdered because he believed that his brother Jesus was his Lord and his savior. And James finally rise after this whole conversation and say, you know what? I think our standard is too high. The requirement of becoming a part of God's children is too high. Let's get lower. Let's lower the standard. And then if you read it, don't be mistaken about James still put some requirement in there. It's not really about the requirement. You know what it is? Because James say, well, let's just tell them, don't eat this certain amount of this certain kind of meals. And you know what it is? James is trying to help them and help the Jews when they live together. Respect the context. Because here's the Gentile coming and live with the Jews, and there are some traditions that the Jews still observe. Let's, let's help one another win. Give them away. This, this new congregation that you become a part of, here is something that's very important for them. And in order for you to live together, not the mission of the church, in order for you to do your life from Monday to Friday, here are something, it will help, it will do you so much good just to respect that. Not because that is how you become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's just for you to do your life better. So if you keep reading this, the later part of 15, do not be mistaken that, that James was talking about still a requirement of becoming a member of the church. No. It was about helping both communities live together in harmony. Now we can do better if we think that. If we figure out a way we can live together in harmony with one another. As I say, as I say, if there is a desire in my heart of something that the community say about First United Methodist Church of Boise City, I hope that someday that this community outside of this, this church will say something close to this. I don't know what those people are meeting there in that corner. I don't know what they believe. I don't know what they talk about. But this community, this community will never be as better and as good as today and have hopeful for the future unless the people over there continue to get together. Because the reason we get together, we contribute and we add value. We figure out a way where we can grow together. As a community. 
As I say to you, as I say to you, it is so extremely painful to be judged on any other things. <laughs> I, I share this story with you, but it was so painful. A Methodist church whose young pastor was sent there. And I went to talk with this young pastor. He was on his way to ordination. And he said that there is a little group of people here, Staff Paris Committee. Uh, you're going to meet them tonight. Their chairman is a little lawyer. And the lawyer probably will come with a folder about this big. He typically come with that. He forgot where uh, the chamber is, uh, where, it, where the wall of the chamber finished and where the church began. This young pastor, his wife, uh, was pregnant. And she was struggling with her pregnancy that whatever she was struggling with, there are certain specialists I happen to be the leading uh, doctor that, that deal with this. Um, it's in North Carolina, at Duke. And they happen to be students well over there at Duke Theological Seminary. And she was able to see him. A very few people, really, really hard to get on his schedule. And so this little committee was mad at this young preacher that he keep going with her to her appointment. No, when I heard that, I wanted to whip every single one of that, that little committee. I was so offended. I was so mad. I could not wait to sit and look them in the eye. And so I told my, my colleague that we went. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead this, this meeting. As you can sense, I'm going to lead this meeting. I'm going to open a prayer. I'll give them direction, and I'm going to record this thing. And you're going to talk. I'm going to just be silent, and if they are, can you imagine me silent? <laughs> and whenever I feel like that I need to say something, I'll, I'll say something. And there was quiet, question after question. I'll read the question, they need to answer, nobody say anything. They kind of just, you know those kind of meetings, they scan through the room, there is a, you kind of know who they try to get a nod, yes or no, to say something. Like little kids, you know? They were little kids. So, at some point in time, the lawyer spoke, and they started to popcorn. And the popcorn was about complaining. And of course, I'm sitting on the anchor for some time. I needed to uh, confess, but I, I was not ready for confession. And finally, I just looked at them and said, I'm going to ask you a question. And I want for every single one of you to answer. I'm not going to move until you give me an answer. And I want to look you in the eye, and I want you to look me in the eye. And we're going to talk. And here's the question. Tell me the last time you prayed for your pastor. You? 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 Not a single one of them spend one second of their lifetime praying for their pastor. But they have everything in the world, in heaven and hell, to say about the pastor. And I say, not again. If you don't like it, parking lot. We can solve it right now. I had it. I cannot stand 
bullies who push people around not knowing who they are. And I hope you have that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit. Because someday, your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren, they grow up in, in, in an environment it is so mean and hateful. And I hope somebody will stand for them at some point in time. Because they're worth it. They're worth it. And I hope some church somewhere, somebody will stand up and say, not here. We are not that kind of people. Because whatever they want, we want it. They want a life. They want to be respected. They want to be loved. They want to be important. It's the same thing we want. Because they are important to somebody. And he happened to be a Jew named Jesus. And so James talked to the church and they settled. James simply reminded them our mission is about Christ. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, our mission is about Christ. It's not about cutting off stuff. It's never about circumcision. It's not about color of our skin. It's never about how smart we are. It's all about Jesus. And you know what Jesus is all about? It's all about love. And you have been conceived with that DNA. Whether you want it or not, you have been infected with that DNA since the time began, since God conceived the idea of this world. You can deny all you want. May I remind you one more time, you are somebody to God. And God loves you that much. And we hope, as your church, that we live that way towards you. That we love you, we respect you. And we take the risk of walking alongside you. No matter what, we'll figure out a way to live together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are times in our life we run out of ideas. We think we know it all. And sometimes we do on particular angle of our life. Sure, all of us parents, we think we know it all. The way that we teach our children and majority in the season of their lives we do that. Why? Because we love them. We are protective of them. And that love forces us to learn so much to protect them from harming themselves and other forces harming them. That's why. And sometimes in our seasons of life, we must adapt, pivot, and change, adjust the way that we see and hear because we don't know that much. And it's okay. The responsibility of know-it-all is too much. The pain is too deep. The weight is too heavy. 
to know it all and to carry all of that burden. God, we can't do it. So we submit ourselves to you. Redeem us. Forgive us. We pray and ask all of these things in your holy name, Jesus Christ. All God's people say amen.